traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hi, folks. This is Steve Moore. You're listening to More Money. Thanks for joining us again. This is WABC Talk Radio. It is such an honor for me to be able to uh, speak with you and speak uh, to you on this station every 2 o'clock on More Money on Saturday afternoon. And this is a special weekend, obviously, because of the great 4th of July. I've been so excited. I couldn't wait to get in front of this microphone and talk to you about what's going on in America and the reason we have to celebrate. You know, we talk a lot about politics on the show, but I'm going to try to keep politics out of today's show because I really want to concentrate on America, this great, great country of ours, and the things that are right about this country. And I am going to preserve about the last 15 or 20 minutes of this show because I want to hear from you all, and I want to hear your voices on this issue because there was a poll taken by Fox News about three or four days ago uh, that asked the question of people of all ages, do you think America is the greatest country on earth? And for me, that was an easy one. (laughs) I will confess. I mean, of course, America, to me, is the greatest country on earth. There is no other nation I'd rather be in than in the U.S. of A. You cut me. I bleed red, white, and blue, folks. Um, But I was surprised by this poll result because it found – 69% or about 7 out of 10 Americans say that America is the greatest country on earth. What about the other 3 out of 10? (laughs) What about those 3 out of 10? So I want to ask you all that question. Do you believe America is the greatest country on earth? And if you don't, call in and tell me. I mean, seriously, I want to hear from you. If you don't think America is the greatest country on earth, what is? Is it China? Is it India? Is it Mexico? Is it Canada? Is it France? Is it Italy? Is it Spain? Is it England? Is it Australia? Is it New Zealand? I really want to hear from people. And and look, I'm, I'm trying to be, um, I don't want to sound zingo, jing, jingoistic. I think uh, that uh, there are problems in this country for sure. But I do believe, as Ronald Reagan said, that it was divine providence who put America here as a great beacon of freedom for those around the world. And I believe it remains so uh, as much today as ever. I believe the Statue of Liberty has as much meaning today as it did hundreds of 200 years ago, uh, uh, 240 years ago or 50 years ago when this country was founded. And so I want to hear from you. I Here's the reason I think America is the greatest country on earth. First of all, if you look throughout the last 250 years, what country has led the way in terms of defeating fascism, uh, defeating communism, liberating hundreds and hundreds of millions of people around the world from totalitarianism, 
totalitarianism and tyranny. It's been the United States of America. Now, uh, you look at what's happening today in America, and some people say, well, we are a racist country. You know, I, I'm sorry. I reject the idea that America is systemically racist. Is there prejudice in this country? Yes. Is there discrimination in this country? Yes. But is the country systemically racist? No, I don't think so. I look at how well immigrants do who come from Hispanic countries, who come from black and African countries, who do very well in this country. You look at the economic progress that blacks and Hispanics are making in this nation. It's amazing. The average black American uh, today may have a lower income than the white Americans, but the average black American lives at a much, much higher living standard than the average person in virtually any other country in the world. So we are making progress. I want to talk a little bit about the economy for a minute and celebrate this very good jobs report we got yesterday, 850,000 jobs. We are on a comeback, folks. And, you know, there's a, a study that came out by Bloomberg that looked at the resiliency of each economy around the world, and they tried to measure which country has come back best from COVID, uh, because COVID is mostly over, thank God, this this terrible pandemic um, has, has passed us through. But um, what this study found was fascinating. It found that the country that has come out ahead the most in terms of getting its feet back on the ground, getting people back into work, getting stores and businesses reopened, getting people traveling again, and getting back to life as normal was the good old U.S. of A. We were number one out of the 100 largest countries in the world. There is no country that has made the comeback that we have. And in fact, if you look at the GDP numbers, our gross domestic output, the United States, given what we've been through over the last 18 months, this is really a remarkable thing. We are, our economy is bigger today than it's ever been before, even right before COVID hit. So what a comeback that is. It's remarkable. Now, why is this happening? Why are we seeing all these jobs coming back? Why are the businesses reopening? Why are people getting out again to stores and malls? Why are we going to all be out uh, on the 4th of July? I'm going to probably head out to the Washington Monument to watch the uh, the uh, fireworks here in Washington, D.C. The people are going to be out and about. It's a great thing to see. And it is because of the vaccine. We should never forget this. I think uh, I said I wasn't going to talk about politics today, but I do want to make this point. I think Joe Biden, you know, did a uh, a pat on his back yesterday in his speech saying how great his program is working for the economy. And look, I, I will give Joe Biden, some credit for a good job of getting this vaccine distributed. But, folks, we would not have a vaccine. <laughs> there would be no vaccine today if it were not for Donald J. Trump and Operation Warp Speed and one of the most amazing, miraculous programs in history. And you go about 15 or 16 months ago when COVID first hit and Trump said, hey, we're going to get a vaccine out in eight or nine, ten months because we're going to uh, – clear over all of these regulatory hurdles. We're going to get this done in warp speed, uh, and we're going to get it done so we can treat Americans and, and prevent people from dying. And nobody thought it was possible. Everybody laughed at Trump. Do you remember that? Uh, the New York Times laughed at Trump, saying there's no way we're going to get a vaccine in nine, ten months. They said it's going to take two or three years. It's not going to be until 2022 or 2023 before we vaccine, because that's how long it normally takes. And Trump did it, ladies and gentlemen, in nine or 10 months. And not only has he saved hundreds of thousands of lives in the United States as a consequence, but Donald J. Trump has saved millions of lives throughout the world because of this vaccine. But that's the reason we're opening up. It's a spectacular thing to see. And it is so 
obvious that this vaccine was going to come from America, right? You know, when's the last time the Chinese ever invented something, right? I mean, China is one of our great competitors now, but they just copycat everything that we do. When is the last time you saw an invention or a new drug breakthrough or some kind of innovation come from the Chinese? Never, never. In fact, almost all of the great inventions of the last 200 years have come from the nation of Thomas Alvin Edison's. And so this, too, makes America great because we have a free market, free enterprise price system. And let's never forget that, that the free enterprise system and freedom, those are the geese that lay the golden eggs. And we cannot give up our freedoms. We cannot give up our economic freedoms or political freedoms. We have to um, protect them. We have to be vigilant. That was really the message of 1776. And so we're going to talk uh, at the end of this show about whether you believe America is the greatest country on earth. And by the way, if your answer is no, I want to hear from you. The You all know, uh, if you're a regular listener, that the More Money Hotline, I'm going to give this to you right now. Please jot this down. And I want you to call if you think the United States is not the greatest country on earth. But I also want to hear from people who think it is, but mostly people who say that it isn't. And that number is 1-800-848-9222. I'm going to say that again. More Money Hotline, 1-800-848-9222. Do you agree with me and Ronald Reagan and Donald J. Trump that America is the greatest country on earth? If not, who is? And so we're going to get your, to your questions in a little while, but I want to talk uh, in a few minutes to my good friend, Scott Atlas, who's going to give us the really good news about how we overcame this terrible, terrible pandemic and how we cured the world of COVID. Scott Ellis worked for Donald J. Trump in his health department, and there's nobody better to ask about that. So stay tuned, folks. You're listening to More Money. This is 77 WABC Talk Radio. We'll be right back. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 WABC Talk Radio. I want to get right down to it. I have uh, on the uh, line uh, Scott Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas. You know, I'll know him as one of the major um, people in the Trump administration on the task force to deal with COVID. He's done an amazing job for for the country, for humanity, frankly, in terms of the job you did, uh, Dr. Atlas Scott. Uh, You are a hero of mine, and I can't think of a better time to talk to you about uh, what you did and how we got this vaccine done and how you feel like things are going right now with respect to COVID. Uh, And uh, thank you, by the way, for taking time uh, from your Fourth of July weekend. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you, too, Steve. Thanks for the kind words. So let's get right down to it. Uh, What is the status of COVID today in America? Well, you know, that's that's sort of a complicated question. I think uh, in general, uh, people should be very happy. And, uh, you know, essentially the pandemic is over in many ways. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, the caseload, the the hospitalizations, the deaths have plummeted. Uh, We are in a world, in a country where 88.3% of people who are vulnerable have been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's amazing. And uh, two-thirds of all people over 18, by the way, in the United States have been vaccinated. 
So, uh, you wow. know, the key, of course, is to protect the vulnerable and, uh, you know, stop the, the deadliness of the virus, which actually is deadly for, for certain people. There's no question about that. But it's also to stop the harms, the disastrous and completely wrong policies of lockdowns. And that right. is also sort of ending finally. And, you know, so in that sense, we're, we're doing great. Uh, the the damage though doesn't end uh, with with the right. end of the pandemic as we know, right. and there's a tremendous right. amount of uh, damage to be seen from the lockdowns, mm-hmm. and right. there's also a lasting, a very very severe psychological damage to the American population. So before before we get into that, I wanted to ask you a question. By the way, I'm talking to Scott Atlas, uh, Dr. Scott Atlas. He was part of Trump's uh, COVID team and did an amazing job. Um, what you know, I remember uh, back uh, a year or so ago when Donald Trump uh, made this um, promise that he was going to get this vaccine out there in nine or 10 or 11 months. And people were laughing at him. You know, Scott, they were they were, They said it was impossible. I mean, The New York Times had a big front page article saying how it was impossible that we could get a vaccine in a year. And I don't know to what extent you were part of Operation Warp Speed. I know you were certainly involved in part in that. But how did how did that happen? I mean, it seems like a miracle. Well, you know, Steve, it wasn't just that they laughed at uh, President Trump about it. They completely lied, including so-called experts all over the media, by saying it was impossible because they called right. they called President Trump a liar. And right. this was just one of the really heinous things that was done was to undermine not just the positive news coming out, but that people desperately wanted to hear. People in the United States and all over the world were, were stricken with fear, paralyzed. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this positive news is really welcome. But they also, by the way, these people, the political enemies of, of the president, undermine the safety of any vaccine that would be developed under this administration. And that was done uh, really by many, many people, including candidate Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, as you may remember. So the Operation Warp Speed was sort of a really an amazing success. Now, what was Operation Warp Speed, if I may say? Yes. It was yeah. really a concerted uh, business decision and very common sense decision, really, by the president to say, OK, what we're going to do, we're going to go and remove all the financial risk, all and as many barriers as possible mm-hmm. right. to the private sector to develop the vaccines and drugs, by the way. And so that was done by taking basically, you know, and you could argue if it was right or wrong, but it worked, which is they took away the financial risk, meaning the government, the taxpayers paid and bought for bought all the doses, millions and millions of doses of a drug that wasn't of the vaccines that weren't even developed yet, certainly That's were incredible. not approved yet. And they also prioritized the production in many ways, put them to the front of the line of all kinds of uh, production facilities, and they removed the liability from the private uh, companies, right. which, again, like this, right. is a, this is a controversial topic even now. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a complicated topic, but they, the, the president did that. And there were people who worked very hard with the private sector 
in getting these things not only developed, but also the logistics were all set up in advance. The, the, all, you know, the distribution was all set up in advance. And so when people like me and the president got up on stage, I did this only after I came in August, at the press briefings, and I said, this is the timeline. We anticipate yeah. having an approval in October, maybe November. We know right. that once we get the approval, we will be injecting vaccine before the end of the calendar year. There's right. uh, tens or 100 million doses being prepared by January yeah. 1, and people yeah. will be injected, and we will be making massive And all this was sort of called lies. It was disputed oh, yeah. from people I remember that. administration, from people outside the administration. I do want to mention something, if I can go on, and make sure that the people that were Operation Warp Speed get the credit for it, because it's not the people who are claiming credit for it, the most visible uh, public health officials on TV that somehow want to claim the credit. The credit goes to the president, Alex Azar, yeah. who was basically yeah. the CEO of Operation Warp right. Speed. He was the secretary of right. HHS. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mansa Slawi, who was the chief scientific officer who developed the vaccines and overlooked over, uh, the entire effort. Uh, Admiral Perna, who was basically in charge of logistics. Other people there uh, in HHS. In uh, the FDA, you know, uh, who actually did the work, Matt Hepburn, who was the number two to Slawi, uh, Woodcock, uh, Janet Woodcock was in charge of the development introduction of the monoclonal antibody drugs that were also developed. Uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to Paul so, Mango, who was one of the advisors. Yeah. So there's a lot of people, but they're not right. the names who go on TV and claim credit. Uh, you mean, are you saying Fauci didn't have a lot to do with this? He had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised. I, by the I way, I'm talking to one. Scott. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scott. Uh, by the way, I'm talking to Scott Atlas, who uh, you all know uh, was one of Trump's top health advisors during the COVID emergency. And thank you for your service, by the way, Scott. And by the way, you you were treated. <laughs> you and I have both been treated pretty shabbily by the media, so I know what you went through. And thank you for your service to our country. Um, couple. I I just have to ask this. I'm I'm an ignoramus when it comes to health. But I have to ask you this. Why can't we use these kinds of procedures to speed drugs for Alzheimer's and multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's and all of these? I mean, you know, Milton Friedman, who was a friend of mine, I'm proud to say he was a friend. And as you know, he was a, uh, a Hoover Institute fellow, as you are. He used to say, you know, when the FDA is holding up dr- life-saving drugs, you know, it's it's actually costing lives. So can we use Operation Warp Speed for future um breakthrough drugs? Well, I, I hope so. By the way, you know, when I first came to Hoover, Milton Friedman's office was right down the hall. I have a proud, <laughs> I'm a proud owner of a folder of redlined manuscripts I wrote because I have a tendency to be that's too cool. verbose, as I say. But anyway, that's, cool. that's a side story. But anyway, uh, no, I agree. I think your observation is correct. There's a tremendous amount of unnecessary and very costly bureaucracy in the process of getting a drug developed, the FDA, uh, the clinical trials have expanded so much. It's massive. It, as you know, it's, you know, we're talking billions of dollars to develop a drug in 14 years on average. Well, by 14 years, that's a lot of lives lost. So the uh, the Operation Warp Speed stuff, a lot can be learned. I mean, I, you know, I think there we had some discussions about things like this, about cutting bureaucracy. Uh, you know, it is a special case, of course, when you're dealing with a national emergency, issuing right. emergency use authorization. So, but you could see, I mean, listen, you know, when we see that there's a, 
a question about uh, vaccine safety, and we hear on the news that, yes, and they're going to meet about this two weeks from today. Well, you know, this is the kind of insane bureaucratic delays. It's a different world, as Steve, as you know, inside government. Uh, there, There is far less urgency. There's a massive amount of bureaucratic delay. And a lot of things can be done to cut out unnecessary, very costly delays in developing new drugs. There's no doubt about it. Well, yeah, yeah, I would say that things like Alzheimer's and and cancer and and Parkinson's are are national emergencies. And I'd love to see this whole process sped up. Um, So the question I get asked all the time, and uh, I, I have no idea what the answer to this is, but uh, I hear different answers from people whose opinion, like yours, I respect. Should young people under the age of 18 be vaccinated? Because you may have seen, um, Scott, that this week the National Education Association has said, hey, we may not allow schools to open up in the fall unless every child is vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, this is uh First of all, the first statement is people who are high risk should really consider getting the vaccine, no matter what your age. And there are high risk children and high risk teachers right. and high risk young adults. No doubt about that. So, so how, hold on. Enough. Let me just interrupt you for one second. So give me an example of, a, of someone like a child who would be in high risk. OK, well, like, I mean, who what are uh, significantly obese and diabetic. Okay. Oh, okay. Got uh, or it. severe heart disease, you know, serious illnesses. Okay. When you take about talk about a child who's high has comorbidities, you're talking about serious problems. You're not talking about mm-hmm. some minor thing. In fact, almost no child has died without a significant or multiple significant comorbidities. I mean, it's, right. it's essentially it's nearly zero. Uh, and so, you know, separately, the, the question of mandatory or even needing a vaccine as a child. I mean, I'm no one's doctor out there, but I can tell you this: there is almost zero risk from the disease for children. Why would you vaccinate a child for something that they don't have a significant risk from if they catch. And the reason is very simple and a heinous indictment of America, frankly, but particularly of teachers, which is that there is this somehow uh, goal of using children as shields for adults who are afraid of catching the illness. This, I don't know. I mean, to me, okay, I'm a parent. My 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 job is to protect my child. My child's job is not to protect me. And this is really uh, even worse than that, because here we have a, when you're injecting a drug into somebody, yeah. there are potential side effects. This right. is not even fully approved drugs. These are drugs under emergency use authorization. Anyone so, who so, runs yeah. a clinical trial injecting an experimental drug into a child who has no significant risk from the illness. Yeah should have their medical ethics uh, review and really yeah. be uh, be so, under a panel of, of criminal activity, in my view. Scott, and that's um, hyperbole. This is really important. So you're saying what, what the what the NEA is advocating is bad for the health of our children. It's absolutely outrageous, and I feel very very sad that uh, that parents have been any parent would accept that. That is absolutely outrageous. In fact, yeah. you know, it's it's completely unethical for the medical profession and it's immoral on the basis of individuals to do something Amen. like that. Hey, 
Hey, uh, Scott, first of all, thank you so much for being with us on Fourth of July weekend. I know uh, this is a time for rest and relaxation, and and uh, what you've done for our country is amazing. I need to get you back on in a few weeks because I want to talk about lockdowns because Paul Krugman take a big hit at me today in his in his column saying Steve Moore advocated for getting rid of lockdowns and he's responsible for people dying. So can you come back on sometime soon and, and can we talk more about that? I'd love to do it. Okay, thanks. That's Scott Atlas, folks. He is uh, with the Hoover Institute, served uh, for President Trump on his health task force. And uh, we will be right back. You're listening to More Money on 77 WABC Talk Radio. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Hi, folks. Welcome back. You are listening to More Money on 77 WABC Talk Radio. Thank you so much for spending some of your Fourth of July weekend, uh, listening to my show. There's always a privilege and an honor to be on. And I want to thank John Katsimides, the wonderful owner of this great station. I believe WABC Talk Radio is the most important talk radio station in the United States of America. And by the way, I hope everyone is going to have a very, very happy and patriotic Fourth of July. Don't forget, I'm going to get to your questions in about 10 minutes. And I'm, the question of the day on the More Money Hotline, and remember that number is 1-800-848-9222. The question of the day is, do you agree with me that America is the greatest country on earth? And if you don't, call in. Tell me what country you think is better. Is it the Netherlands? Is it Belgium? Is it France? Is it China? Is it India? Is it Canada? So I want to hear, because only... Uh, there's one out of three Americans who say, no, America is not the greatest country on the, on the uh, face of the earth. And, and I'd like to know uh, what country is. And if you also believe that America is the greatest country, I want to hear why you think it is. What do you think is makes America special? Because let's have some fun on this patriotic weekend. But before we get to that, I want to talk to Dr. David Lee Gates, who is on the line, who is a scholar at the Independent Institute out in Oakland, California. And he has a great new book out called Hot Talk, Cold Science, Global Warming's Unfinished Debate. And uh, David, first of all, uh, thanks so much for joining us on this Fourth of July weekend. Thank you. Nice to talk with you. You too. So um, when I hear people talk about global warming on CNN and MSNBC and in Washington, D.C., they say the debate is over. It's not an unfinished debate. And what I thought was so intriguing about the title of your book is you say this is an unfinished debate. So can you tell us what's unfinished? Because I've been told all this, all the science is settled. Yeah, the, the science is never settled. That's the whole point. I mean, we <laughs> right. think we know everything about gravity, but essentially our gravitational model doesn't work at astronomical scales, nor does it work at um, uh, molecular particle scale. So we don't even really understand gravity. I mean, that's part of the issue is that climate change is an extremely complicated process. I mean, probably right. the most complicated process we have on the planet short of life itself. And it involves everything imaginable. It even involves economics. So people making economic decisions affect the climate and so forth. And so to try to be able to say that we understand everything associated with climate change is just a ridiculous statement. So, David, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great point that you're making, and thank you for making it. And I'm mystified by why is there not more humility among some of these scientists uh, when it comes to predicting what the, you know, the temperature of the planet's going to be 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 years from now. And in terms of what's changing 
the climate. Obviously, the climate changes has been <laughs> changing for millions of years. Why is there this necessity to browbeat everybody into believing these models that are, you know, very loose and, and very, um, uh, you know, inaccurate oftentimes? Why are we being bullied into believing these things? Well, see, in part, I, one of the things I see is that scientists, when they write for other scientists, they generally incorporate all the if, ands, buts, caveats, exceptions, and things like that right. that we're yeah. not really sure about. But then when they go to make public statements, as, as Stephen Schneider once said, you know, we have to offer up scary scenarios and you know, give away with all of the qualifications in order to effect change. And I think this is part of the problem, is you have a lot of scientists that have become activists. And that's yes. part of what uh, Fred Singer, who is the actual author of the book, I mean, Fred uh, died about a year and a half ago, and this is a revision of a book he right. put together uh, 27 By the years way, ago. Uh, let, me, that was, let me just interrupt you and tell you, say that I, I knew Fred Singer very well, and he was a great, great American, a great scholar. And I'm, I'm appreciative, David, that you you know picked up this project because he was one of the smartest guys out there, and, and you've done a wonderful job of, uh, of picking up his research. Well, I thank you, and that's why I want to make sure that we got Fred's name in because yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have been done without Fred in particular because yeah. of his knowledge of the policy and his knowledge of the science. So um, my point well, is I yeah. think that in a lot of cases, scientists have become activists, and essentially they want to change the world. In a lot of cases, you know, in academics, uh, and now we're finding in the deep state that a lot of these people uh, tend to have leftist views, and so climate change is an easy way of getting sort of those leftist policies enacted. So I've made the case that there is what I call a climate change industrial complex, that we have tens and if not hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars now that are moving into the climate change activist network of scientists and activists and politicians and lobbyists and so on. And I, do you believe uh, and look, I, I don't know the answer to this. I'm, I'm genuinely asking you because I don't know. Do you believe that the, 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 the amount of money that's being thrown at this issue has cause some kind of kind of pollution of the actual research itself? Undoubtedly. I mean, that's part of the issue that I think, you know, we, we had a global cooling scare in the 60s and 70s, and it never caught on because there wasn't any big money following behind it. Now, you know, I, you can be uh, blackballed from academia. You can be blackballed from almost anything involved in science if you don't follow the policy line. I mean, we almost dropped into a, a Lysenkoism of the, the Soviet Union back in the 1930s. I mean, I'm afraid that's what that's where we're headed right now if we're not already there. So there have been so many false scares over the last 50 years in the environmental movement, everything from overpopulation to running out of food to running out of energy to nuclear winter. And one thing after another, I remember when I was a kid, they were talking about we were going to run out of farmland. And obviously, it's been one debunked myth after another. And look, I'm not saying that um, we shouldn't take threats seriously, but uh, it almost seems like some of the folks in these kind of movements, in the green movement, just jump jump from one eco crisis to another. I, I think that's exactly correct, and because uh, it, it's sort of like H. L. Mencken, you got to you got to keep a hobgoblin going to scare the populace. And in fact, right. the things we constantly see is that you know, if they say in twelve years, then uh, in eight years it becomes another twelve years, and there's somehow multiples of four, which I think has to do with an election cycle. 
So what is going on with the climate right now? What what do you and Fred Singer think should be done? I mean, like in other words, if you were the climate czar, what would you recommend? Well, I. I think we, we need to have, and I don't know how to do it, but I think we need to get rid of the scare mentality the idea, and really look at climate from a, an unbiased standpoint. I mean, that's one of the things I was working on with the Trump administration in attempting to uh, have the National Climate Assessment be a much more balanced viewpoint of right. the uh, uh, climate um, and the current state of the climate to get a lot of different viewpoints in rather than just pick one or two people and have them write everything from their perspective. And um, I think that's really what we need to do. And in a lot of cases, I think carbon dioxide, and Fred did, is, is but a bit player in climate change. Now, that doesn't mean humans can't change the climate. We have, we've done so, and in some cases has been detrimental. But there are, you know, but to say that carbon dioxide is somehow a magic climate knob that you set carbon dioxide and, you know, all climate goes to pot after it, um, it is not any way that we know how science works. I'm talking to David Lee Gates. He is a scholar at the Independent Institute and is a co-author of a great new book called Hot Talk, Cold Science, Global Warming's Unfinished uh, Debate. And we just got a minute or two left, but I wanted to ask you about, do you believe that these uh, kinds of initiatives that, for example, the Paris Climate Accord has pushed, do you believe that they will be – let's assume that they were put fully into implementation, that they would be able to change the global temperature? No. We've had uh, a number of these over the years. I've seen a recent plot that shows carbon dioxide as a function of when all of these treaties were signed and nothing ever happens. I think they're, they are largely wind addressing, but I think they're trying to get at a different viewpoint. And a lot of people like the Green New Deal have argued it's really not about climate change. It's about changing the way in which we do economic business in the country and in the world. And I think that's really the take home message of what this is all about. So one last question before I uh, let you go. I'm talking to David Lee Gates from the Independent Institute. And by the way, thank you again for joining us on this 4th of July weekend. Um, do you believe that uh, I'm just I'm, I'm disheartened that there aren't more people who are courageous like you who are speaking out? It almost seems like there's an in- intimidation factor in the sciences that you're not allowed to say what you're saying. And if you do, you will be ostracized and you won't get grants and you won't get funding and you might even get fired. Yes. I mean, I've talked to numerous people who say, you know, secretly I agree with you, but I'm never going to come out and say that because I don't want to be under the attack like you've been. I mean, I've been on, I'm right now on a uh, uh, federal do not fund list. Um, I had some fun things happen when I was working uh, with the Trump administration the past four months of the... Wait, wait, hold hold on, David, David, hold on. You're saying that you are on a a no, do not fund list. I have been told that, and then I tried to apply to several grants, and essentially what happened was uh, the grants never got reviewed. Uh, and what is your degree? The, what, grant, what is, example, was Department what, of Agriculture grant with right. uh, had nothing to do with climate change, had everything to do with radar estimates of precipitation right. for wow. agriculture. And I still the, the the proposal was never reviewed. Yeah. Well, how can you have a debate if you don't allow people to take the other side of the debate? I mean, what, what I'm saying, folks, and I think David Lee Gates is confirming this, is the reason there's a scientific consensus is because anyone who doesn't believe in the scientific consensus is muzzled. Is that right? 
That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Well, David, I'd love to have you on again. You're a fountain of information about the scam of, of what's happening in Washington with respect to this climate change issue. And I hope you have a, a great Fourth uh, of July rest of your weekend. And I will be right back, folks. And remember, call in now. It's one eight hundred. I want to ask you whether you agree with me that America is the greatest country on earth. And if it is, what makes us so special? Let's have some fun on this 4th of July weekend. Call in right now. 1-800-848-9WABC. I'll be right back. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. Sure, you know the Y for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the Y, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the Y. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive all with one simple goal in mind to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the why as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the why. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. Side of Midnight, Weekend Edition, with Frankie Russo. Now you see I've gone completely out of my mind. He's certifiable on the other side of midnight, from 1 a.m. till 6 a.m. Saturday. They're coming to take me away, haha. And then the craziness returns Sunday. I'm still here. On the other side of midnight, Weekend Edition, with Frankie Russo, on 77 WABC. Hey, cousins, it's the Saturday night rock and roll party (laughs) with me. I'm your cousin, Brucey. It's today. Go on the air at 6 o'clock right here on Music Radio 77 WABC. You can also hear Cousin Brucey on WABCradio.com. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. Happy Fourth of July. It's one of the great weekends of the year to celebrate this great, great country of ours. And I hope you are doing it. I hope you are wearing red, white, and blue this weekend. So we have our our lines are lit up. We have one or two uh, lines still open. Please call in. um, Where The question of the day is, do you believe America is the greatest country on earth? And if you do, I want to hear why. And if you don't, I want to hear you tell me what country you think is greater than the United States. So uh, we have a bunch of calls, and I want to start with Joe from the Bronx. Joe, thanks for calling in. Yes, uh, happy Saturday and happy Fourth of July to you. You too. Well, Thank with you. Regard, with, with regard to your uh, question, I have to say regretfully that I have a resounding no to that question. Okay. Let well, me explain, let me explain my rationale uh, yeah. and my reasoning. 
insofar as that instead of the liberty-loving, freedom-loving, independent republic that we inherited from our forefathers uh, that obeyed the Constitution, obeyed the Bill of Rights, I see this country ever more descending into a third-world Marxist totalitarian surveillance state that's mired in debt, pushing uh, hatred and vituperation of the founding stock of the country that actually founded the country and sustained it, meaning white Europeans. That's what critical race uh, theory is. It's hatred of white people, hatred of European culture and uh, heritage. And I see the country uh, essentially becoming a third world nation because the people who founded the country are going to be in the minority. So, Joe, thank you. I mean, those are very um, wise insights, and I'm glad you called in. And I want to – I've got a bunch of other callers, but before I let you go, I want to ask you this question. Do you think we are redeemable? Do you think we can get back to our founding founding father principles? You know, I'm glad you asked that. And, uh, you know, basically, before I answer that question, I want to – Hurry up, Joe. i got a bunch of other callers. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Go to unz.com. That's number one. And number two, with regard to your question, the only way that we're going to be redeemable is by a rebirth as the country was founded with a second revolution. That is the only option. I like it. Okay, Joe, great, great points. Thanks for calling that show from the Bronx. Let's move on. We've got Phoebe from Manhattan. Phoebe, what do you got for us? Right there, uh, Steve. And um, the country, I'll get to it in a second, but listen, sometimes the economy is really bad. You gotta realize Harpo Marx was living in his mother's basement when he was 50 years old taking college courses. That's how bad the economy was at one time. Now, the thing is, is this country the greatest country in the world? Well, the whole world is coming here. We know they want to all come here. Yeah. And they want want a big piece of the big piece of rock candy. The only problem is they're coming in here and they're rearranging the furniture when they get here. Now, when Pat Buchanan brought up ending legal immigration, you guys went after them like pit bulls and a, and a meat lock, and I will caution people. You will be called names, every name in the book, the jackals, the wacko jackals, the bongo mics will come out and call you names. Disregard it. These people on an emotional level cannot deal with reality. Remember, Harpo Marx, 50 years old, living in his mother's basement in Brooklyn. My mother now, the bottom line, wow. Yeah, now the, now the bottom line is America – is a, is a magnet for the world, but we cannot absorb the whole world. It's time to remove the illegal aliens uh, and stop illegal immigration. That is one of the turning points that you can have. The okay. Divide. You have to realize there's millions of people in the country who hate this country. Okay, great, great point. Thanks for calling. Let me be, uh, respond to what was just being said. I, look, I think immigrants make America great. I love immigration. I think that immigrants who come here who want to work hard and build a better life for themselves and share in our freedoms, that's what America is all about. I really believe that. And I think we are so blessed by the incredible people who come to this country and uh, and make our country great, frankly. I love the melting pot idea. Uh, I do believe that we need to have a wall. I do believe we need a secure border and we need an orderly immigration process. But my goodness, I mean, for those of you who came to this country uh, and recognize what a great country this is, I salute you because you have chosen a great country to come to. And thank you for everything you do for contributing to this great country. Okay. I believe we also have Rayon from Long Island. Yes. Good afternoon, doctor. And thanks for having me on. Hi, Ray. Think of happy 4th of July, but I'm sorry you to too. say that America, America's best days are behind it. No, don't to- say that, Ray. Why? Why are, why are our best days behind us? Because the pillars of society, economic stability,
Did we lose? Did we lose Ray? I think we, I think we lost Ray. Uh, well, he was starting to say that. The, look, I want to respond to this idea that because things aren't necessarily going the way we want right now, that somehow our country isn't great. I mean, this is the point I'm trying to make to you folks. We've gone through tough times in this country before. We had a civil war. We've had racism in this country. We had slavery in this country. We've had huge problems. And the thing that makes America great, and I really do believe that God smiles on America. It's like we have a, a, a force out there that is keeping America on the path because every time we stray. And look, I'm not a big fan of what this president is doing right now. I worry about the bankrupting America with all the debt and spending. And I hate the critical race theory. I hate the divisiveness. But we're going to come through this, folks. I mean, look at the way we we came through COVID. That's why I had Scott Atlas on the show earlier. Scott Atlas showed that because of American ingenuity and American greatness and the great minds in this country, we took on COVID, not China, not Russia, not the Europeans. It was America that came up with the cure of this great disease. We've been through tough times before. Folks, I lived through the 1970s when Jimmy Carter was president and the country was crashing with high inflation and, and uh, people felt that we would never be the economic superpower that we once were. People worried that the Soviet Union was going to overtake the United States, and it never happened. And so my point is, do not lose faith in this great country. We have so many amazing assets. We have, and, and the greatest asset, by the way, we have more natural resources and more energy resources, and we have the most beautiful country in the world in terms of the mountains and the Purple Mountains Majesty. Such a great, great country. Do not lose faith. Please don't lose faith. Please celebrate this country. And there is nothing wrong for young people. If you're listening to this show and you're under the age of 30, because I looked at that poll on whether people think America is the greatest country on earth, and it was the young people who do not believe it. They don't believe America is a great place, and that's because our schools are not teaching the great, incredible history of this country. I'm here to tell you, folks, we are the greatest country. We'll continue to be. God smiles on America, but we have to work on it. We have to defend our freedoms and our liberties and our history every single day. That's my message for today. I hope everyone has a happy and healthy and holy Fourth of July weekend. Get out there. Get those firecrackers going. Get the fireworks. Let's celebrate the greatest country on earth, the United States of America. And if you can get, get out to the parks and get out to the picnics. And do not forget, folks, it's important. Wear red, white, and blue. And when somebody tells you America is not the greatest country, it's some other nation. I know some people think, oh, well, geez, these these uh, countries are like Sweden have a better economy than we do. No. No countries come out of covid better than we have. We dealt with the crisis. We've overcome it. The best is yet to come. Folks, have a happy 4th of July. Thanks for listening. This is More Money on 77 WABC Radio. We're with you every 2 o'clock on Saturday, and I'll be with you next week. Have a great weekend.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 